My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are here. I'm debating, Julie. I'm debating. Okay. All right. I'm going to listen for now. I'm going to listen for now, is all we'll say. Not guaranteeing I'm going to listen the entire time. So there's that. All right. What page are we on this morning, Dave? What are we starting with? We're starting with uh, Colossians week 17. Welcome back, by the way. Thanks for being back. Uh, we're on page 112 this morning. And uh, not a lot of text today, Miss Shanda. Just one verse. So just one verse, but it'll be all right. But uh, what do we start with each week? We read. That's exactly right. So let's read through Colossians 1, 1 through 2, 3. And uh, then we'll talk about verse 1 of chapter 2. So Colossians uh, 1 and a little bit of 2. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, 
and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Ah, it's good to read those words. So, let's take a look at where we uh, left off. Uh, so we left off at the end of chapter 1 last week. This week, uh, just the one verse. So we're looking at Colossians 2.1, for I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. So we're on page 112, if you've got your teal books. Page 112. And what does verse uh, 1 of chapter 2 start with? 4. Not the number four, but the word four. Like, so what, what's a four for? It's just we're starting a brand new thought? Mm, connecting things, right? So four. So because of what we just finished, so let's review what we just finished. Verse 29, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. So does anybody have the applications from last time we met? What were the applications from the last time that we met? I know one person who does. Uh, our uh, class documentarian, uh, Bethany Barber. What are the applications on that page from the last time we met? It's powerful and it is personal, right? And I hate, I hate, I hate what I am about to do next. But the next application is about on this page. Because there's a four, our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is purposeful. So I'm sorry for the alliteration. It's not what we generally do in here, but like the text made it pretty straightforward. So our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is personal, uh, purposeful. So there's, there's something, it is, it is not just, well, it's theoretical power that's available if we need it. You're like, no, 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 it has a purpose. So... I asked this question, and nobody knew before class started, so I'm going to ask this question right now. I want everybody, and if you know the answer to this question, don't say it. Everybody look over here for just a second. Sorry, guys online, you can't see this. What I'm pointing to is an object that is lying on its side. Uh, it is uh, a black object. It is made mostly of plastic, I think. Uh, and if it were setting up straight, you might have an idea what it could be used for. But uh, does anybody know that was not here before class started and when we were talking about this? Does anybody know what that object over there is used for? Miss Linda, what's it used for? Composter. Uh, it looks like a composter. It, it might be a composter. Does anybody know what it's used for in this building? Miss Shanda, you know? 
What is it used for? To, to ri- it is two purposes, actually. To rinse the Easter eggs, yes. The other purpose is they put bags of candy in it, and they mix them up. That's how they mix them up as well. So when we do our egg stuffing parties, and you get the tote, and you're like, how did all this candy get in this tote? Like, somebody dumped it in there. Yeah, but there was some work that was done to it beforehand. It was mixed up and mixed up and mixed up, so your table doesn't get, and every once in a while this happens, but so that your table doesn't get, like, 4,000 jelly beans, right? So there's, there's some... some some randomness assigned to it. But that thing has a purpose. And in a, in a spot that is weird, on its side, in a room that, like, you would never use... The, we're not composting in this room, right? If we are, we're not having class in this room the next day. Like, that's not, like, that's not what it's for. Some things are really, really tricky to tell what their purpose is. And some things, we get told what the purpose is. So what is the purpose? What is, the, what is the purpose? For them to know, right? To, we're, we're not just going to, like, Jesus has strength, and it's powerful, and it's personal. Like, it's, it is strength to be used. So I, th- I think this was one of our applications and personalizations on the prior page. But the, the personalization for our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is purposeful, is use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength, right? It's not just a, in theory, You ever had access to something, but you didn't know how, but you didn't know you had access to it? I, I work on a computer all day long, and almost every week I find out there was something installed on my computer or some function that was part of a program, and it's, oh, I wish I knew I had that available. I could have been, I could have been doing all these other, like this would have saved me gobs of, this is available. <laughs> Our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is available to believers. It has a purpose. So, for I want, and then we get this word, uh, I want. So how many times is this word want used in uh, Colossians? You don't have to read the whole book and count them. How many times is this word? It's used three times in Colossians, right? Some of you are like, I think it's three because there's three references. Yes, that's exactly what that means. Uh, so the first time it shows up is in 127, describing what God, what God wants something. The second time it shows up is here in 2.1, where Paul wants something. And then the third time it shows up is in 2.18, where uh, unbelievers want something. Which is a really nice little case study in the word want, right? You get to see what God rightly wants, what an apostle wants, and then what the world wants. Uh, and they are... Uh, I will tell you, the first two are shockingly aligned. The third one is not (laughs) at all in any way, shape, or form. This is a hard left turn at the wrong spot. So I want you to know, so this is some type, this is a knowledge. Uh, Page 113, how greatly, it's a a very rare word for big in the New Testament. Most of the time when you get a word, uh, when you see the word big or great in the New Testament, it's megas. Uh, This is a different word. It's, It's a bit more rare. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything significantly different. And I couldn't find any reason, any distinctive reason why Paul chose this particular word as opposed to megos, but it's just a weird oddity in the text. So if you have uh, some insight into that, I would love to know it because it's kind of driving me bonkers this last week. I don't know why he wouldn't use the normal word for big, but he didn't. So how greatly I am struggling. So let's break this word down for just a second. So how greatly I am struggling 
Uh, so this word means a contest. Uh, let's go forward one more slide here, Dave. Thank you, sir. Uh, so Navidag, uh, the word here is agon, uh, and it's a struggle against opposition. It's a fight. Um, so let me, let me ask you a question. So one of my favorite TV shows growing up, uh, cartoons, was uh, G.I. Joe. You remember G.I. Joe? Anybody remember G watching G.I. Joe? Yeah, G.I. Joe. Uh, for G.I. Joe, what was half the battle? Knowing is half the battle, right? G.I. Joe never articulated the other half of the battle. What's the other half of the battle? Fighting. Fighting. Like, you actually had, like, it's not just, well, let's just see who's smarter. No, at some point, you're going to have to get on the field of war and actually fight. And, and this is not a word that is, oh, I'm, this is a mental structure. Like, no, 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 no. This is actual work. This is effort. This is, this is going to result in some type of exertion. But look how Paul uses this word. I am struggling for you. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Where is Paul again? Let's rewind. Let's review. Where is Paul? He's in prison. What's he doing in prison? Well, we know one thing he was doing in prison, right? What was he doing? He was writing, right? So cool, good. Use the resources available to you. <laughs> what else was he doing in prison? He was struggling. That's exactly right. But he doesn't talk about, I'm struggling for me. He doesn't talk about, this is hard on me. I'm struggling for you. Isn't it crazy how often he does this? He takes the, like, oh, here's a, here's a great opportunity to whine. Here's a great opportunity to complain. Here's, here's a great opportunity just to tell the truth about how bad a Roman prison was. Right? You know, one of the things we don't do today is we don't actually shackle prisoners to guards all day long. Right? I mean, just think about the expense alone of that. How... how how badly do you have to view a prisoner, and how terrible is your prison that you think that somebody's going to get away unless you actually physically shackle them to a guard? And how many guards do you need to do this? And how little do you think of the guards to do this? Right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Who's, anybody wants to sign up for that job? Anybody? Bueller? Like, that means, like nobody is coming after, like, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be chained to prisoners. He's like, no. He is struggling. So this word shows up uh, several times in the New Testament. Uh, once in Philippians. Uh, once in 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy 6, 12, it shows up. They're almost all famous verses in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy 6, 12, this is Paul writing to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. You're like, okay, I've heard that before. Right? Uh, 2 Timothy 4 7, there's a theme here as it relates to pastors specifically. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 7, I have fought the good fight. Like, oh, okay. So he encourages Timothy to do something that Paul is actually doing. There's not a, there's not a gap between his words and his work. And then Hebrews 12 1. Hebrews, anybody know that one off the top of your head? Yes, 
Yes, it is that section. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Where's the word fight? Let me read it again. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Is it? How would you answer that question? Let me tell you how you can answer that question. You could go to uh, blueletterbible.org and click on the verse and then click on interlinear and then look for this word. We're not going to do that today. And I'm not going to answer the question for you because I want it to irritate you and I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice that later today. Because for some of you, it will irritate you not knowing the answer to that question. And I'm cool with that. So, this is a struggle that Paul has. And so here's the... A struggle against opposition. Here's my, here's my conundrum with this particular word. Because this word is used when there's opposition. How does Paul use it? I am struggling for you, not against you. I'm struggling for you. So if he's struggling for them, what's the opposition? It's their opposition, not his opposition. Does that make sense? So is there another word that he would use if it's a metaphorical Is there another word? Yes, there are other words in Greek that he could have used. I think I see where you're going. Um, there are several Greek words, so I'm, I'm going to step a little outside of my element here. I'm not like four steps this way, but I'm going to step one, one step outside my element because I've not studied all the Greek words for fight. Um, every once in a while I have to do that when you get to one of these words. She's like, why did you pick that one? That's super weird. There's got to be a reason here. Um, there's a couple other words for fight. I don't most, uh, let me say it this way. A lot of Greek words have a, uh, a well, let's look at this, but maybe answer it with the words on the text. So let's look at page 113 for a second. So you see that I am struggling. What's the first gloss, the first definition there? So a place of assembly. You're like, what? What does that mean? All right. That's where the struggle would occur. All right. So we get, we're going from physical location and then one step away from that is, by implication, the contest that occurs at the physical location, right? And then one step away from that, now we've gotten figuratively, is an effort or anxiety. I think the way you're probably rendering this is that effort or anxiety about it, right? Um, most of the commentators actually talk about this is a contest, because Paul is going to be talking about very, very, so we, the structure of Colossians is Jesus and then terribleness opposing the Colossians. And then, so what do we do with all that? Like, how do you, how do you 
live accordingly. And we are in the transition phase from Jesus is amazing to the opposition that is occurring. Most Because of where this uh, verse shows up in the argument, most of the uh, people that read this would look at it as the actual contest itself because we're transitioning into that section of the text. But I'm not like fighting haha, <laughs> uh, over your uh, particular gloss that you're going to pick on the definition here. So. I, I a, yes, ma'am. Think what she said. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, so how greatly I am struggling for, not against, for you. So is that you, one particular person? That, is that his favorite person in the Colossian church? All right, so let's be honest for a sec. Can you go forward one more slide, Dave? I'm still purple up here. Sorry, I just noticed. There we go. I don't want the, I mean, this is such an amazing jersey. I don't want it to, like, get overshadowed by the you said amen right there right josh i really want to say it right here i feel like it fits and you're not gonna let me right here either are you okay all right it doesn't fit all right it doesn't fit um so so is it easy to struggle to have passion concern care for somebody we like yes is it is it not terribly difficult to have passion, care, concern for somebody that we're like, ah, that's fine, great, I'll care about that today? Sure. All right, let's be honest for a second. Y'all been in church. You like everybody equally in church? Of course. <laughs> yes, Jim, we are commanded to love all the brothers and sisters. He's struggling for you. All right. So I'm going to complete the personalization and put a new application. So I've got two applications and one personalization, which is this, this is kind of odd. So my, my application at the bottom of page uh, 112 was our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is purposeful. And then at the bottom of 112, the personalization there was use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength. And in my notes, I have an ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. So then on page 13, 113, my application is Christians struggle for Christians. And we're going to build on this sentence as we go through the rest of verse 1. Okay, so Christians struggle for Christians. That's good. That's helpful for us to do. So the finishing of the personalization there is, borrowing from page 112, use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength for each other for each other so we're going to use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength for each other now don't hear what I'm not saying I didn't say you can't use any of our Lord Jesus Christ's strength for yourself I'm just saying that's not what Paul's doing okay 
there are probably other texts in the Bible that talk about that. This is about the other. So use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength for each other. So I am how greatly I am struggling for you. Turn the page, page 14. Uh, and then because we don't put 19 ands in a sentence in English, we get docked points in English classes for doing that. Uh, the CSB has, uh, you know, part of their editing here is they've not included the and at the top of page 14. Uh, and for those in Laodicea. All right. Where have you heard the city Laodicea before? Easiest Bible question of the day. Or not. Where have you heard the city Laodicea in the Bible before? Revelation. There we go, right? Remember, it's listed as one of the seven cities. What book of the New Testament does the word Laodicea show up in more often than any other? The answer is actually on page 114 in Colossians. How do you know that? It's four out of six. Yes, that's exact math for the win. There we go. All right, so do you see 6X in the NA28? NA28 is the Greek New Testament. That's the version of the Greek New Testament that we use in this class. That's uh, Lalan 28th edition. And so there's, it shows up six times in the, in the Greek New Testament, and four of those are in Colossians. You're like, well, that seems weird. Why would they show up so many times in Colossians? Like, what's that about? All right, so let's, let's go down the rabbit hole of maps for just a minute. Uh, this is Paul's third missionary journey. So he starts off, uh, where's he starting off? Yeah, he starts off in Antioch, and he kind of wiggles his way through uh, Asia Minor and circles around through uh, Greece and uh, Macedonia and comes back and hits all the high points and then goes through uh, Rhodes and ends up in Jerusalem. But there's this, there's this real fuzzy spot kind of here in the middle of Asia Minor, and you're like, well, where did he go? Okay, Let, let's finish verse 1. I want to read verse 1, and you tell me, did he know the people at the church in Colossae or not? So for those in Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me in person... Would you use those words if you had met someone before? No, I, I wouldn't pick those words. I would use other words, right? So, so as he's going through this area, and it, you can pull up, if, if you have 10 different Bibles in your home, go to the map section of each one of them and flip over to the back, pull up the map of Paul's missionary journeys, and this little line, this yellow line that shows where he went will be different in every single one because we don't know. It wasn't a, he stopped here and then here. And like Luke glosses over a couple of things. Otherwise, Acts would be like 180 chapters long. And I'm cool with that, okay? Because we need to know what we need to know. But we're going to zoom in for just a second on uh, that section so if we blow that section up, what I want you to see is Colossae, Laodicea, and Heropolis. And you're like, well, how far apart are they? Well, this is about eight or nine miles, and this is about five or six miles. So really, really close. So think about Colossae and Laodicea being somewhere that you could travel by foot in a day. And some of y'all right now are thinking, I'm not walking eight or nine miles. Okay, I understand but for them, this was not a high hurdle, okay? This was a somewhere you could get to in a day. Does this make sense? 
So when Paul talks about for struggling greatly for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person, if you're listening to this letter being read and you hear somebody within walking distance of where we are, Paul is struggling for them too. What is your desire at that point? What would you want to do? I'd want to let them know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is going to be really good. Paul gets that. Flip over to Colossians chapter 4. So we're in the shout-out section here at the end of chapter 4, right? So, verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. And after this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans. Cool. And I am so, so grateful that Paul put this explicitly in because when the Laodiceans got this letter, what do you think they did with it? They copied it because they wanted to copy because the Colossians want it back. <laughs> like, we got a letter from Paul. This is really awesome. So the Laodiceans copied it. And then there were brothers and sisters at Heropolis as well. Let's send them a copy. Well, what about the brothers and sisters in Philadelphia? Because we know there's a church there. And we know there's a church in Sardis and Thyatira and Pergamum and Smyrna and Ephesus and Malia. Don't skip over the map stuff. <laughs> like the map stuff and the share stuff is why we have this stuff. Right? I mean, this is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But I want, you to, I want us to see like how close this is together. Now, what do we know? So let's pull the thread on the church of the Laodiceans. What do we know about the church at Laodicea? Does it, is it like, yeah, they're fantastic? Or, ah, so-so. Okay. Kind of so-so, right? Because this is the church where Jesus says, I will do what? Spew you out. Like, I don't, I don't know what re physical reaction I want our Lord Jesus Christ to have to my life. I would prefer it not be he, like, spits. That doesn't seem to be the best. So in the list of all physical reactions, uh, let's avoid that one, right? So they were very close. All right, let's go to the next slide, Dave. See, it would have worked perfect right there. I'm telling you, it would have worked perfect right there. Okay, all right, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not angry. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea. Actually, let's go back two slides. And for all those who have not seen my face. So anywhere in this area where Paul didn't physically go, now it's the, uh, I'll put it in the southern vernacular, and all y'all I didn't see, Right? Uh, who have not seen me in person. So let's get a couple applications and personalizations here. So, uh, thank you, Dave. So Christians struggle for Christians. I'm at the bottom of page 114. Christians struggle for Christians in other places. Because Paul was not in Colossae and Laodicea and in the other places that he didn't go, which is a bit of a... Yeah. So Christians struggle for Christians in other places. So use our Lord Jesus Christ's strength for Christians in other places. 
Have you been everywhere? <laughs> That's an easy question to answer, right? Have you been everywhere? You're like, no. I mean, sounds like Johnny Cash had in that song, but I don't know if that's what popped into your head right there. That's what popped into my head. I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. Uh, it's the most famous human being I've ever met in my life, I believe. I met him one time when I was 11 years old, and uh, he introduced himself and says, well, hello there. I'm Johnny Cash. I was like, oh, you do it in person too. It's kind of cool. It's great. <laughs> it's weird, but cool. He sat behind my sister and I on an airplane flight, and uh, we had got bumped up to first class. I'm coming back. This has a story. This story has a point. We had gotten bumped up to first class because my dad, he was a school teacher for decades, and he had somebody that he taught in every industry in the world, right? So he taught somebody in the airline industry, and they bumped us up to first class for a trip that we were taking. So this was flying from Nashville to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then from Charlotte, North Carolina to Vancouver. It was a really amazing trip. And my sister and I, we got bumped up for the Nashville to Charlotte point, and then we sat back with the common folk from uh, Charlotte to Vancouver, right? And so Johnny Cash got on the plane, well, it's, it's, when you get to fly first class, everything else changes about your view of flying from then on in your life, let me tell you, because it's a whole different world. So we're sitting in first class, and you've got these plush seats, and they're massive, and they lean back really far, and Johnny Cash, and I don't know who she was, but it was uh, not his wife, uh, they were dressed in all black, and I leaned my seat back. Actually, I'm sorry, my sister leaned her seat back, and I'm like, don't lean your seat back, that's Johnny Cash. She said, we're in first class too. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, but okay, that's fine. Um, and I, I, want us to, I want us to be real clear about something. Um, Paul wrote the Laodiceans a letter too. Because if you look at the second half of that Colossians 4, 16, after this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. You're like, whoa, Jim, I have memorized my books of the Bible. Where is Laodiceans? I don't find it. All right. Paul wrote a lot of letters. They were not all canon. They were not all Bible. Do you want every letter Paul ever wrote? Like, well, it could be interesting from a historical perspective. I think it's probably a lot. We have what we're supposed to have. And when we get to that point, we're going to do a deep dive on how we got the Bible. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, but just because Hickson didn't get a letter, and I'm, it makes me deeply nervous, like if Paul was alive today, what cities would get a letter, right? I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of cities that would get a letter. Um, and they wouldn't all feel like Philippians and Colossians is all I'm saying, right? So, uh, but just because we personally didn't get a letter from the apostle doesn't impact his struggle or not for them, right? Let me say it a different way. We're in first class too. All right? And in some ways I would argue... <laughs> I have it all bound in one book. Like, come on. This is pretty basic, pretty straightforward. So, Christians struggle. My application on page 115, Christians struggle for, other, for Christians in other places they have never seen. Christians struggle for Christians in other places they have never seen. And this is where Paul is about to really lean into 
Christians struggle for Christians in other places they have never seen. So he's going to really lean into this. And I've got a beautiful quote. Thank you, Miss Sandra, for the quotes from Payson Aiken's book. I have so many, so, so many. Please keep them coming. It's great. Paul understood that the mission of the church is a collective effort to which all believers are called to devote themselves. And what he is modeling here is behavior he wants from them. Right? He is modeling we care and we engage and we use the resources from our Lord Jesus Christ for all brothers and sisters. And when they do the same, this is a beautiful thing for all brothers and sisters. Make sense? One verse. And I still skip stuff in my notes. Isn't that crazy, Miss Gracie? I've still got stuff. She's like, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a lot. Okay, cool. All right, so next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up with verse uh, 2, and then we will go from there. So uh, let's move into our prayer time. You should have your weekly updates on the table. So if you would, take a moment. Uh, And if you want an application of today's lesson, find somebody on the prayer list that you have never met in person and pray specifically for them today. Pray specifically for them. All right, attendance on the other side. And then once you have finished praying, you are free to go and to worship uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what we're here for. Awesome. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.